Welcome to Bravo Outsider. I'm your host, Craig Midwinter. Joining me, as usual, Dylan Ferguson. Dylan, how's it going? Uh, going good. Uh, as you can see, I've got a curated color scheme here. I am, Whoa. It's October. I'm springing into fall. Very nice. Yeah, I, I'm loving it. Um, we are flying tandem this week. Uh, just Correct. the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'll be back with an outsider next week, but we want to get into recapping three excellent episodes of Housewives. We had New York, Salt Lake City, and Orange County. Dylan, where would you like to start with this? Um, oh, I don't know. Usually we go, I feel like we usually go through them like chronologically with the ones that started earliest, but why don't we mix it up this week since me and you are just having a little staycation together. Like yeah. Jessel and Bertha, <laughs> uh, why, don't we, why don't we start with New York this time? Okay, yeah, I'm I'm down for that. Uh, what what did you like about New York? Um, Jessel is really getting cooked this this uh, this season, this show. Really. Yeah, Jessel's just getting getting her ass cooked so bad. I I uh, it, I'm kind of enjoying it, but 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 feel bad for her. Like sometimes I put myself in the position of somebody watching the show and be like being like, time to binge and find out how it turned out. And that <laughs> must, must not be great for Jessel, who's whose like storylines have gone from like you don't fuck your husband to, <laughs> um, you know, you're privileged, you're boring, you're annoying, uh, to you don't fuck your husband because he's going to Vietnam <laughs> to, yeah. to, for sex tourism. <laughs> <laughs> like, she is getting cooked by the show so hard. <laughs> yeah, I really hope that she comes back because I really like her. And I think she's turning into a little bit of a fan favorite, too. But yeah, she's definitely like getting the brunt of it and seems to be rolling with the punches. I um, one of my my highlights from this was the scene that we got between Sai and um, Sai and Jessel at the end where, you know, Sai arrives 20 minutes late and is immediately annoyed that Jessel isn't there. And she like arrives 20 minutes late after Later, yeah yeah <laughs> and Sai is like so pissed off um but when Jessel first off I think that the apology that she meant came across very like heartfelt and like it was thoughtful um and Sai just immediately dismisses it with you know I don't care like yeah no, she, I, I do think that Sai's right that Jessel made a blunder where she's like you know I did not intend to draw any comparisons to your life and also, my uncle was an alcoholic, so that's one thing we have in common. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she immediately starts co- directly comparing her life to Sai's life right after she uh, she said that's not what she intended to do. So yeah. I, I, I think Sai's got a point to be like a, a little peeved about that. I think it was like messy, but not malicious. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I it, it For me, it seems like the issue with Jessel and Sai is like... Sai is playing the game and Jessel isn't like Jessel is I've said this before on the podcast she reminds me of like Shannon who's just like really navigating in a very authentic true to herself way not thinking about the meta and being kind of messy as a result of it and I feel like you know Jessel is putting out this story about her uncle being an alcoholic in an effort to connect like her motivation is yeah. to connect whereas like Sai sharing the her story with her mother Sai is using it as like social currency she's using 
like her opening up as like a a play and so the fact that Jessel is putting her story out there and putting it on equal like equal grounds and like trying to use it as like a measure to balance things Sai is like pissed off because she doesn't think that Jessel's story is as valuable as hers. She doesn't yeah. think that it holds the, the same value, so they, it shouldn't be, um, uh, it shouldn't get be given equal weight. And I think that's what she's really pissed off is that she thinks that Jessel's going to be scoring more points with her story. Yeah, I I, th- I think that's more or less right. I think Sai is also extremely uh, defensive of. Uh, the kind of felt reality of her upbringing because she's somebody who lives in a world of privileged people and she didn't come from that background. So that's something that she really like wants to, to hold on to as like something that's, mm-hmm. that's different and important to her. And, and that's why she gets like upset when other people try to be like, yeah, me too. Um, if, if she doesn't think it's, it's valid. Um, so I, I think she's a little too defensive about that, but I think there are, um, like personal motivations, I guess I'm trying to say, rather than just like playing the game strategy motivations behind uh, behind the way that she's like defensive about her her own story and other people's attempts to to compare themselves to her. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and also I always just love a scene where a housewife is like made to wait and is pissed off. I especially love the fact that Sai was going to have made Jessel wait for 20 minutes and then was pissed off that she was the one that had to wait 20 minutes right <laughs> because she felt she that, that was her right because she was the one who was invited to dinner right she's yeah. like you invited me because you want to apologize to me so i can show up late and and get leverage over you i i get to have leverage in this situation you don't get to have leverage in this situation because yeah you know you're supposed to be the the apologizing one the supplicant yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what other highlights did you have from new york um do we think that uh, that that Pavit is is doing sex tourism? So I don't think that it's sex tourism, but I do think that it's sketch. Like it's not a you don't just go to Vietnam for miles. Like that's not a thing that people do. Like yeah. you don't actually physically need to take the trip. You don't actually need to board the plane if you just want to buy a ticket to Vietnam and just let it like get the miles for it. Right? Why why would you need to do that? Yeah. Um... I kind of like Pavit, so I don't necessarily want that to be the case. But I think sex tourism makes more sense than like I wanted to buy a bond me, <laughs> <laughs> and definitely more sense than like you said I wanted the miles. Like, w- w- what other motivations does he have here? Like, what else is he doing? Like for just like a one fly in, fly out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, so I've been to Vietnam. It's amazing. You can go to Hoi An, which is an amazing city there. I think everyone should go and visit it. Um, they've got like beautiful lanterns and uh, all lining the streets, and uh, but they're known for their their tailoring, and you can get like a well a custom fitted suit made like very cheaply there so why not just go there and get a bunch of like suits made and say like that's why you're going that seems like a reasonable reason to sure. just go for a bit yeah if he's looking for cover he should bring stuff back with him and some yeah. say like just like <laughs> bring like some kind of I don't know, dried herbs or something and be like, you can only get this in Vietnam. I have to, I need these for my spicy chicken waffles. And yeah. this is the only place <laughs> I can get them. 
Which, by the way, you know, when, when Jessa was getting a little angry at Pavet in the, in the restaurant, being like, you ask for hot sauce? And she's like, this is a fancy French restaurant. Why do they have chicken waffles on the menu yeah. if they're a fancy <laughs> French restaurant? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, and so do you put do you put hot sauce on your chicken waffles? That's never something that I've no, done. No, no, I don't think so. Um, though what I know about chicken waffles has been called into question recently. I was I was in Quebec a couple of weeks ago in Quebec City, and I ordered chicken waffles at a restaurant, and they gave me a plate of chicken waffles covered in caramel sauce i hated it i i have no oh. idea why a you would just smother it rather than like you know let me dose it b why in quebec you're not giving me maple syrup why are yeah. you giving me this fucking caramel sauce instead so i don't know i mean i know that there's like a lot of variations on it too like there's like the more northern version which i think is just like like you know gravy and stewed chicken rather than like fried chicken and syrup or whatever um, but the hot sauce is, 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 is new to me though. I mean like a bit of hot sauce with maple syrup is like a great saucing combo. So I can see it. I can picture it. I think that's not a, not a terrible idea. Yeah. I could go for like, uh, a spicy breading on a fried chicken on top of waffles. I could like get that, but yeah, I don't know. Something about like dosing it with the, the hot sauce, like the vinegar. I don't know. Mm. No, didn't sound very appealing to me mm. um yeah I, another maybe that's how scene. they do it in france i don't know yeah <laughs> it could be uh what else did you like about this episode um all right so like uh bryn choreograph choreographing choreographing uh choreographing yeah. that's the pronunciation <laughs> uh, um like a hookup between uh jenna and and uh and, and a strange chick in a bar. Um, so I don't know how you felt with this, but I personally felt it like excruciatingly unsexy, almost as much as as Jessel <laughs> and and Pavit pretending to get intimate <laughs> together yeah. for the cameras. Um, I I I mean, what did you think about that? Um, yeah, so I really enjoyed this scene. What I liked about it was there was like a bit of contrast because. You know, this is a scene that Jenna operates in. Like she's she's a lesbian, so she like yeah. um, she's used to the the social dynamic here. And to see her um, be as awkward in this situation as we have seen her when she is in other like social situations with the other women, just like to see you know, what is her personality of just being generally uncomfortable and, and awkward. I thought that that was really, um, really nice to see. Uh, and especially having a comparison with Bryn being there where this is not her like social scene, but she is just so like comfortable with like people and like wanting to like make flirty connections and really like, thriving doing that i really like that but the actual execution of it all the like the brokering of the deal and how awkward yeah. that was that was definitely really uncomfortable so i really also like getting that as kind of like the cap on this scene and how it's you know very um just a, just a rocky scene altogether yeah uh it, it does get 
to something that does kind of annoy me about Brynn. And you had a great defense of Brynn in the previous episode, but she's just like, it, it can feel like everything about her is so like performance based uh, that to have like this moment where she's like, oh, I'm going to be your wingman. I'm going to like, uh, like help you out here. And then like provide specific stage instructions uh, <laughs> that leave like no breathing room for like the actual like spontaneity and uncertainty that like allows for actual sparks to fly and actual like connection and like uh sexiness to like exist uh felt like kind of uh to me like a condemnation of Bryn's whole method of like being very like uh very performance based um and um uh yeah i think that that's the one thing that that i i like Bryn too i like i'm not saying i don't like her but like i think that's one thing that gets a little annoying about her about her whole like flirting with everybody thing and then when like you know aaron tries to call her out and she says yeah i was, I was obviously fake flirting i never real flirt is that it's like well is everything just like performance then like is there like an actual like is there a real Bryn beneath like constantly playing mm. theater all the time yeah you know yeah, I think that that's that's a good point. I think like what I liked about this was we see her like operating kind of in her element. Like we saw that she can make a like a scene that um you know, she's she's able to kind of control a scene and like mm-hmm. do her thing when she's got the tools at her disposal and like she was effective at fostering some sort of connection and yeah it was awkward and didn't like leave enough room for kind of the human element to play but um i think that what we have seen from jenna is that sometimes she does need like or she could stand to benefit from having someone you know kind of lubricate those social connections and like um you know especially when she's still reeling from a breakup that she, you know, is reluctant to put herself out there because she's so recently been hurt. I think, um, I don't know. I, it, I, I don't know that it was necessarily Bryn seeing a, like a need and addressing it and like going out and doing that. Or if it was just her kind of navigating a situation as she navigates every situation by putting things on, I, I don't, no, I I don't want to attribute a sort of social mastermind uh, uh, tag to to Bryn. Um, although I think that she is is great. I don't think we've seen enough of her like navigating social situations to really label her that way. Um, but yeah, I do think that it was just kind of a nice scene where we saw some pieces come together in a way that I wasn't necessarily expecting to see and just uh, complement each other. It was just, uh, it, it felt like both organic and inorganic at the same time. And I, I just really loved the texture of this scene. Sure. And, and yeah, Bryn and Jenna together are like a great combination and contrast for that reason, because they're both very charming, magnetic women, but for like, polar opposite reasons i think in the sense that jedda is is so charming because she seems like uh very vulnerable and insecure and very like you know relatable and raw in that way and and bryn has a very like practiced charmingness that that i see as being like very like i said very performance-based and and that's not pure criticism when i say that either like that's like that's like a great social skill to have 
and it it comes from i think a real place a, a, you know it comes from the heart too like she, she yeah. you know this, this is part of her this is this is part of the way uh, she lives at x but there's like yeah one woman who's really charming because she really knows how to put on a show and constantly perform and one woman who's charming because she never learned how to do any of that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah totally and like i definitely understand why Bryn is like you and other people would criticize Bryn as being very performative like i i there's definitely like merit to that but I think that there are others on this cast that are equally as performative. Like, I feel like Aaron is similarly very, like, fake and constructed and just way more of a producer than Bryn is. And we're seeing, you know, kind of this calculated image that Aaron is trying to present. I thought that was evident during the the scene, the double date scene with the the husbands, yeah. where like Aaron brings up like swinging, and it felt like she's trying to come across as like cool and open, and oh, it's no. really like we saw that also with the the prank war stuff, where she was like, "Oh yeah, I'm just so chill and into pranking," and um, just like what she is, uh, what she is telling us is very different from what she is showing us and she's not a very like effective uh producer like she's not able to manage her uh, image in a way where i think like Bryn is also sort of putting on a character but she is just like she owns it a little bit more it just comes a little bit more naturally to her i guess i don't know what what are your thoughts on that Oh, sure. I think Aaron's just as constructed, too. Aaron's just constructing a very boring personality. <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's the main difference. Uh, and uh, and it, it is really funny to me that Abe is like, oh, yeah, you know, I'd maybe, like, get into swinging in, like, 10 years or something. Like, yeah, the, the, this, like, preternaturally old Grateful Dead fan, like, just is like, yeah, I will. <laughs> I'm going to be an old guy who's, like, into swinging. Like, yeah, man, you said... You said like you'd be a, a real hit in like 1978. <laughs> <laughs> Abe the babe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can't, can't wait for it, him to hit the swinger scene. <laughs> I also like when Brit is like, oh, you know, guys hate it when I can quote this week's economist. Like, yeah, I would <laughs> fucking hate that too. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. Anyone is like coming and having a conversation with me and quoting the economist is, it's not going to be like, oh, wow. That's, <laughs> <laughs> love love to hear more about that yeah <laughs> um I, if, if you tell me you have a subscription to the economist that's like already i've, I've already done with that <laughs> <laughs> uh one thing that i do appreciate about bryn is that she's kind of going through like a little bit of a like a peter pan type thing where she's pursuing all of these things that she was interested in as as a child and like like now she's going to be collecting antique books because she was like really into books and we've seen her do that with with chess and like yeah and and cars and just like really exploring this kind of lost childhood that she has i find that really fun and um i it also actually feels like there's some element where she's putting this forward as though it is like something that she is um, 
it part of it seems performative, but it also seems like authentic. Like these are authentic interests that she has had that she's now maybe using putting in front of the cameras that she is like a lot more deeply ingrained in this than she has been. But it does seem like these are authentic like points of interest that she's exploring, and I like seeing her like just kind of navigate this and being like, oh, I'm interested in this, I'm interested in that, and yeah. um. We're seeing that instead of seeing, you know, her professional life and seeing her her job. It seems like that is what the substitute is. And, um, you know, I appreciate that we're getting something different displayed in, in terms of a personal story that isn't uh, someone's, like, job and seeing, you know, kind of that. We're seeing someone explore their like their inner child that's not something that i can remember really seeing on these shows before yeah it it is it is like sweet and nice but it is also i think uh typically uh exaggerated and performative in a a very brin way that instead of like going to the used bookstore and rifling through some some paperbacks she's like i'm gonna put in an outfit with a ridiculous wide brin hat (laughs) and go look at first editions of mark twain books (laughs) yeah (laughs) take it down a notch okay No, I I love it because it is like a, you know, we're seeing a common thing with her and she has expressed this on a few episodes now uh, when she describes her motivation for how she operates by like flirting and that's her like go-to personality where like that is a defense mechanism that she learned as a child. Um, everything sort of comes back to her childhood, her roots there. Um And I think that this is another example of that. Like she's playing like dress up and going to a bookstore to look at like books specifically without pictures so that she can like seem more mature. (laughs) Um, You know, all of, all of this is her, like it, it's like she is in an adult body, but being controlled by like a a child, like she's, (laughs) you know, someone playing the Sims and controlling her, making making them making her go out and uh do whatever they think is like something a sophisticated woman would do right like the things that i would dream of doing once when i'm a rich grown-up she's like actually living those dreams (laughs) yeah yeah exactly and i it's very like admirable to to see that like i i find it um you know I, i it feels like actually authentic to me yeah, I do like it. It's sweet. Um, I did uh, kind of like sign this episode too. I'll just say uh, quickly, uh, just because I just like that she's a little harsh and doesn't really <laughs> take shit from people. And I do kind yeah. of like her uh, uh, being like the most skeptical of Uba's bizarre like healing retreat thing or whatever the fuck that was. Uh, <laughs> and just being like, I'm fine. I don't need healing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll also respect Jenna kind of like saying, kind of saying the um, the thing that I think a lot of people think, but often don't really want to say about people who are always like, you know, I've been seeing a lot of people who are too, and realizing that I need to like work on myself. I need to focus more on myself and stuff and be like, oh, you know, Uba says that she wants to to, to, to direct love towards herself instead of always to other people. Like, I thought she was always doing that. Like, yeah. <laughs> it always seems like the most selfish people are the ones who are always like, I just need to focus on myself right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but you know, it, 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 you always like to see, I always like to see just a, you know, a, a bizarre fucking healing retreat in the middle of an episode. It's always a great, great convention. Yeah, totally. So I will, I was curious what you thought. Do you think that Jessel and Pavit, um, had sex on their staycation or is Jessel just saying that to get people off, off the if, back? If they did, it was like probably really forced and bad. It, they, she definitely doesn't give off the vibes of somebody who was like, who finally, you know, we got like, we, we had like a really great intimate moment. Um, uh, and I suspect they did it like that. That's that little scene we get of them, like trying to be intimate um, where Jessel briefly, like kind of play acts as Bryn as if she's trying to like in, invoke her as like a, <laughs> <laughs> as like an, an image of how to how to pre- perform eroticism uh it was just like there was no intimacy whatsoever going on right like just felt like like when Jessel straddles him and they're both like how long do we have to do this yeah. for like, like expressions on their faces um very 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 awkward i thought and so uh yeah they're just not i mean I don't know. Maybe they had like a period where they were like really into each other sexually. I we do know from earlier that like there were roommates for like years. I think yeah. before they got married because like Jessel's mom suggested it or something. Like <laughs> I'm starting to wonder if these people have just like never had like real sexual feelings for each other and just like are eventually like, well, we've been in the same house for long enough that it's time to be married. <laughs> yeah, the thing that struck me about that scene was like. I don't know. It seemed like Jessel was earnestly trying to be playful and she's... She was making an effort, yeah. Yeah, like, oh, okay, I'm going to go put the lingerie on. And then she comes out and he, like, laughs at her. And then, like, it's like, oh, that's interesting. That's so brutal. That is so brutal to, like, do that. Um, It is. So that makes me feel like nothing happened on this staycation. Yeah. Like, I don't buy it i think like jet i think that size spot on that jessel like desperately wants this storyline to be over as she has like yeah every 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 right it makes her look so bad and uh and yeah you're right like like jessel was awkward but she was trying and um and yeah pavit wasn't giving her anything jessel's a hot woman like it's like very unfortunate that like this something is just like not working between them i understand that things happen to like couples with kids that i know nothing about because i've never uh never been there but uh in some situations i don't know i've been told uh but (laughs) but it's uh I, i i don't understand why there's like there seems to be like no uh no sexual chemistry whatever between the two of them yeah i mean i I feel like Jessel was trying to put an end to this storyline before, like, like she's trying to do it quickly so that yeah. she doesn't end up getting a scene where, like, the scene that we got between, like, Aaron and Cy and their husbands at the dinner where they're, like, talking about it and, and joking, being like, oh, yeah, if, if uh, I didn't have sex for a hundred, uh, for a year and a half, then I would, like, be off screwing other women. Like, that is the scene that she was trying to like put an end to this story before yeah, that course. happened. Um, and that like, uh, we got that scene at the same time as this awkward scene. Um, so pretty like, uh, it's a very like cringe storyline to be following through yeah. this. Um, like I started and out I, with Jessel's just getting her ass cooked in the show. Yeah, totally. Uh, did you have any other thoughts on New York? Nah, I think that's about it. It's about enough of that. 
All right. Um, yeah. So let's uh, let's work our way backwards. Then let's talk about Orange County. We got the season finale. What were your thoughts yeah. on this? Um, as a season finale, pretty strong. Um, I do like to to see the kind of various storylines sort of resolving into like just a Heather versus Tamra standoff, trying to yeah. Heather kind of making a last stand to try to gain influence and gain supporters, uh, even though she's like really has her back against the wall at this point. Um, kind of made for um, an interesting episode. It really fe- feels like from some of like the little clips we got of like um, uh, meetings she had with other women that didn't end up becoming scenes that she was like trying this with everybody. Like she was trying to gain as supporters from everybody post Mexico yeah uh, and only really had success with Gina Gina's the only one who was really kind of uh, Heather Marized or whatever, whatever <laughs> said there uh, and a little bit Emily at the end but it seems like she really tried to like pull everybody one at a time back to her side and only really gain traction with one of them but a valiant eff- effort and I appreciate appreciate her trying to like make a final play at being like, this is between me and Tamara and I'm going to try to, to, to gain influence and, uh, uh, and, and like, yeah, they try to take her down instead of her taking me down at the end. Don't think it really worked out for her, but she put it up a valiant effort. Yeah. One of the things that I was like surprised about actually. So the thing I was most surprised about during this episode was when like Sh- Shannon and John were at dinner and John said that he wasn't a corn person. Like <laughs> who doesn't, who doesn't eat corn, especially like this guy who has made like steak, his personality. But anyways, <laughs> um, I was shocked because yeah, like you said, I noticed that Heather was rallying the troops and really seemed like she was trying to set up a battle. But then like once she got to Gina's circus party, like she was just kind of wandering around aimlessly. And Tamara's like, Oh, she's rallying the troops right now when she really wasn't like, I don't know. I I expected her to have a bit more of a battle plan going into this. And uh, it, she seemed absent of that. Yeah. Yeah. She seemed to have already kind of given up by the time we actually get to what would have been the confrontation scene, which Tamara, like you said, immediately recognizes as like, this is, this is the time for the clash. She sees like Gina and Emily talking to Heather and, you almost hear like the kill bill like siren music when she like stares at them and be like oh fuck it's the head and then like <laughs> dabra goes in ready to fucking fight you know she's got the hands flying in the face and everything yeah uh you know wanting to really provoke like a full-on screaming match i think i think that's what tamra wanted to have happen and uh and heather just kind of really wasn't despite making an, a big effort to try to get people on her side when it came down to the scene where they would have had a confrontation heather just kind of wasn't really game for it anymore at that point i feel yeah and i feel like um i i'm comfortable like putting the mastermind label on tamra i feel like she was willing to be you know the the heel here i feel like she set everything up so that all these threads that were that she had like kind of put out there were going to come together at the end of this, like all these separate messes were going to come together in a single blowout at this party. And she like was, you know, this was her plan to make herself like the villain here and just really, um, you know, have a huge battle. And we got a little bit of that, but yeah, like 
she said when when she called out Heather for like rallying the troops. I that's when I was like, oh, she's she's planned this. Like she is like ready for this confrontation. This is like constructed for these storylines to to come together and for her to be the the bad guy, her to be like the puppet master behind or the the wizard behind the curtain type thing. Um yeah, it didn't really plan out as like a full-on brawl, but this was still a very fun final scene. Like this party actually looked pretty dope by housewife party standards. Like it seemed like it was actually fun. It was like it was loud in there, which is something that I kind of use as a metric for how fun a party actually is on these shows because um I've from what I have heard, they don't you you can't play music, right? Because it's it's all right. copyright and you don't want it to interfere with the sound. Right, so yeah. it's like um it's pretty hard to get like a bump in atmosphere. And sure. so depending on how loud the like the crowd noise is, that is a little bit of an indicator for me as to how happening of a party it was. And this one seemed legit. There was like people actually like wooing in the background and um yeah, it, it seemed fun and always love a opportunity for people to have fights in costumes. That's a Bravo staple that will never get old for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't get why they were harshing on Heather's costume, but not Jen's like Jen's was way worse. It was like this cheap lion hoodie that looked like it was from, from Spencer's sure, like not but, even spirit Halloween. Okay. But, but, a, but a lion is a thing that you see at like a circus carnival. Whereas like, the character from Metropolis or whatever uh, Heather was playing <laughs> is not. <laughs> yeah. I get that she may be going for trapeze artist. Maybe that's what yeah, Cirque du Soleil, think... right? Right, Cirque du Soleil trapeze artist. Okay, that's under the falls under the big tent. Uh, but um, so so I, I don't think Heather's was was terrible. But I think it's the the least um, on theme. So I think that's why she deserves criticism for it. Yeah, but that speaks to like her point of reference being like that much wealthier than everyone else. Like their point of reference for like a carnival or a circus is like a traveling show that has like, right. you know, what people a, a normal circus. And yeah, and and Heather's is like Cirque du Soleil. Swallowers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, John, wear the fucking hat, John. Why are you, why are you so resist? Why are you like this, John? All she wants you to do is just put a stupid fucking hat on your head. It's not even a stupid hat. You look good at it. And he's yeah. just, he just can't do it. He's just like, all he could do is grumble about how he's got this, this hat that he doesn't want to wear the whole time he's there. <laughs> John's the worst. <laughs> yeah. John, John really is the worst. And I like get, like kind of alky vibes from him as well. I don't know the, <laughs> sure. the dynamic between like him and Shannon. I feel like, you know, just like people that are kind of together because they like to get like messed up at, at night and yeah, um, <laughs> just stumble around the same like dark house. <laughs> That's pretty grim when he put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think I think Jen manages to get out of the season though with kind of her head held high despite all the attacks she's she's had against her. Mm-hmm. Uh, that had a, we've had her tease a couple times about like Ryan maybe revealing some new information and it ended up kind of being nothing. It was just like yeah, I slept with this person a year and a half before we started dating or something. It was like it's like it wasn't actually a real thing. I don't I still don't like trust the guy, but I don't think yeah. we ended up getting some kind of confirmation that he's been like a 
that he's been like cheating on her all along or something that never actually ended up happening happening uh the kind of late in the in the day revelation that jen doesn't really have any money is also kind of something that uh that that casts a, a bit of color over uh, everything we've seen from her this season i think right um i hope she comes back i want to see i want to see more of her. oh yeah because she said like she does she didn't have access to five thousand dollars yeah like that's like i don't know like she if you really needed have money yeah, yeah that's that's <laughs> like five thousand dollars is like yes it's like kind of a lot of money but for someone yeah, for somebody in that social milieu it's like pretty surprising that to like, not have access yeah. to that for like even like a little bit in an emergency is very yeah, dark but it just me. shows you how she's been on this whole time she's been in a lot like weaker footing than everybody else like she's been in a more vulnerable situation than maybe we've realized like, yeah and then to say that in a room that is like so full of shit that she could sell like there's so much like clothes everywhere like yeah <laughs> probably got like five thousand dollars worth of shit that you can sell on facebook marketplace sure <laughs> it would just take a while to get there yeah and and would reveal like you know exposing yourself in a way that uh you know this is somebody who has like fake designer clothing right like she doesn't want to expose herself <laughs> as, as yeah. not having like uh, access to money yeah, uh, but I, sure. I think that that colors her character like in retrospect, and I and I appreciate having that information. What did you think of uh, Taylor in in this scene or the final scene here? <laughs> code red wasted. Who has who <laughs> called her that? Somebody called her code red wasted. Which <laughs> yeah, is like, right. I can't remember. Gina, maybe I think maybe Gina said that. Yeah, that sounds like something Gina would say. Code red <laughs> wasted, uh, which is great. Yeah, that's exactly what she what she was. It's great. You know how, how much I love just seeing like one of these women just end up way drunker than everybody else. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, love love that for Taylor. It's great fun to have her there. <laughs> I I really enjoyed like how she was telling this this story, like what she was upset about, some story about like salsa dancing and chicken soup and her, her stepdaughter. It really reminded me. Have you seen that old YouTube video, The Magic Numbers? Oof, no, I don't think so. It's like some way to remember your times tables. It's that this guy came up with that involves like telling a story with with numbers it reminded me of that it's just complete like gibberish basically um i'll <laughs> uh yeah I'll, I'll send you a link and uh dm me if you want to if you want to see it maybe i'll put it up on my instagram it's right. very bizarre <laughs> um but yeah loved seeing taylor being code red wasted i thought that was fun there was also a moment like right out of the gates taylor was clearly so drunk already and we got that slow-mo shot of her eating ice cream and i seem to remember there was like some sort of like incident with her eating on beverly hills that had caused her to like not want to eat a like a a corn dog earlier this season because she didn't want it to be caught on on camera and uh yeah they the editors finally got their their shot to get a slow-mo shot of her eating ice cream so um congratulations to the editors on another win there yeah (laughs) um what other thoughts did you have on orange county here um that's about it uh like i mentioned last time in reference to the teaser i'm glad we get one last fake doctor and when we get the incredibly cocky uh, dr tim uh, the chiropractor. <laughs> so you know, just just one more to add to the collection. Really fun. They should make a series just about all the fake doctors. 
it's just, there should be like <laughs> the the not so real doctors of Orange County should be. Yeah, like well, Bravo has a show called Married to Medicine, so maybe married <laughs> alternative medicine. Yeah, yeah married <laughs> married to alternative medicine. <laughs> um, yeah, I I didn't have a lot of other notes. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. How many how many times a day do you poop? Me one max. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're I, on the. The Shannon uh, one poop a day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why, why I'm not quite. That, that's ex- that's excessive. That's uh, indulgent. <laughs> <laughs> Tamara poops seven times a day. She said during this this uh, this episode. She must be like a deer or something, just putting out little pellets <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought the like the Shannon colonic product story. The way the way that that ended was fun. I, um, this is the weirdest housewife product that I can remember. (laughs) And so, um, the fact that we get this little ending on it where they haze Jen by making her, her try it was, uh, was a fun way to get an end to that. And I look forward to seeing it on the market. Yeah, me too. I look forward to getting one for Christmas. Yeah. (laughs) Put it on the Christmas list. Okay. Finally, let's, uh, let's get into Salt Lake city. What, uh, what did you think about this? Um, uh, I've always got a comment on the food. So the charcuterie plates at the Trixie Motel look ass, just like a piles of grapes <laughs> and cucumbers. Get that fucking shit off there. What is it? You can you can hardly see any meat or cheese. I don't, I don't want any grapes on a charcuterie plate. Don't don't do that. Figs maybe. Dates okay. <laughs> a whole lump of grapes. No, nobody wants that. What are you doing with it? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That was also like what triggered Whitney to take over the the social planning like this like gross charcuterie and Whitney's like you know what I'm gonna take over the planning we're gonna have a drag competition or whatever um <laughs> Whitney continuing to take control of this trip is very fun for me to see I um I I love Whitney as as a it's a very very ballsy play yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, and like the person that is going to have the biggest reaction to this happening is Meredith. So it's, yeah, a ballsy play well executed. Yeah, uh, I thought Lisa was honestly pretty legendary in this episode. I really, really enjoyed Lisa um, saying things like, I have glam in Monaco, I have glam in saint yeah. <laughs> and following it up with, I'm asking you to relate to me. <laughs> 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 Um, another thing she says if a wet noodle looks like a pretty girl head to toe in Isabel Morant with good makeup then yeah I'm a wet noodle (laughs) 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 like you're not dressed up I am dressed up I've got head to toe couture and a Fendi bag and beautiful eyeshadow (laughs) I just it's just very like classic uh, housewife housewife stuff to me to have these kind of like uh, make these rich bitch flexes that are really just admissions of extreme insecurity. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like she is completely unable to operate in the world without like her armor of like her normal makeup routine and her like her couture and everything. Uh, and is like so unapologetic about being like, yeah, this is who I am. I'm rich and fabulous, but it's also just like a very insecure way to be at the same time. Yeah. 
So Lisa is the only one that gets a pass from me for not participating in this drag makeup competition because like she did something with not participating. She like made a, a moment for herself to like throw a fit and cause a scene and, you know, give something to the cameras by not participating. But everyone else that didn't participate, like Meredith just like doing the bare minimum and not putting on a wig or, you know, I guess Mary kind of gave us is giving us stuff when she's like sitting out on events too. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love Meredith just staying in the sleeper or I'm sorry, Mary, Mary staying in the van. <laughs> and, and, and as they're stepping out saying Meredith signal back to me, if you think I should come. Yeah. <laughs> and Meredith's like, you should come. Which is like, I'm going to stay right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How is you? I've, I've continued to stewing over the fact that you said that Mary's like some sort of cult leader. I have to figure mm-hmm. that out because to me, like, I, I just don't picture it. And I need to know how that works because I feel like the signal quality of like a cult leader is charisma. And Mary just seems so uninterested in, in connecting with any other person, uh, which is great. She's just she's just such a loader uh, that I'm just wondering how that works. <laughs> yeah, I we haven't seen a lot of the like the details of how the church operates, but um, yeah, her and her her husband they are the heads of this church, and their um, their flock is told to like treat them like they are messengers of of god i guess and they exploit I believe it. people financially so a lot of the the hallmarks of of a cult there i i think yeah okay i i yeah i i could see myself worshiping mary actually she's cool yeah <laughs> uh there needs to be someone that does like a deep dive like you know, true crime style investigative journalism on this this cult. I would really like to get to the bottom of it as well. Yeah. Also, I, I there's a moment in a confessional early on where I'm pretty sure Mary refers to God as hired help, which is a really <laughs> cool thing to say. <laughs> Maybe she said hire help. I'm not sure. That's probably yeah. makes more sense. Though <laughs> so who knows with her. <laughs> And also, also just while we're talking about Mary, I just love how she sits up the truck exercise because she was like, no, I already know I don't trust any of these women. Yeah. As if like the purpose of a trust exercise is to figure out whether you should trust people or not. And <laughs> she's like, no, I already have the answer. I don't need to, yeah. to figure it out. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of that, that trust exercise, like Cliff was dressed like he takes that so seriously. Like he looked like an NFL coach in this outfit that he was in. It was like serious, serious business. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Any other highlights from Salt Lake City? Um, A little torn on Monica's performance. You know, I've been really liking Monica and I do like Mm -hmm. her taking Lisa to task for, for B for like, just like flaunting her privilege. I don't necessarily like her, like sucking up to Meredith so hard. Uh, I'm not really sure why she feels she needs to do that at the expense of Angie. So I think kind of uh, um, a pretty mixed episode from her. Yeah, it's um, it's a wash for me. Like I do like that we're getting an extension on that like storyline or the dynamic between Monica and this bag and how she is like now it's evolved so that she is taking it out on Lisa as opposed to just like keeping all this embarrassment and um, 
you know, the embarrassment that she has over making a purchase that was outside of what she like should have financially and like being ashamed of it. She's kind of uh, externalizing that and using Lisa as, as a target. I like seeing this story evolve because I think that's just such a, um, it's like, it's relatable. It's, Mm -hmm. it's human. So um, I appreciate that. But yeah, like you said, the, the play to suck up to Meredith. I don't really understand why. Um, yeah. Uh, I, if it does anything to kind of deepen the divide between Meredith and Lisa and cause them to um, just have a bit more tension, then I'm here for that. I don't think that it's like an intentional, like strategic thing that she's doing, but just, I could see, you know, projecting, this story outwards i could see it playing into things and causing a bit more of a rift so um yeah i i like to i like to see that yeah yeah um, really also yeah go ahead oh no uh i was just gonna say also really loving angie i think she's a really underrated new addition here she's like very very thirsty but it's in a way that is like causing problems so I appreciate seeing that it's not like thirsty in a way that I kind of attribute to like Aaron in, in New York, who is like really trying to construct an image in order to get like, uh, to be validated as being like cool and chill. It's, um, you know, she's there like causing problems, being a shit server. And yeah, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, I like her too, and I really did like the way uh, she held herself during the conflict with uh, with Meredith, and I'd like to see to see more of that too. She stood her ground well. She got legitimately angry. Very entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> um, any other thoughts on Salt Lake City? Um, oh yeah, another check in uh, in the plus column for Monica is comparing Lisa to Veruca Salt from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That was, <laughs> that was very nice. Very well done um that's about it though yeah second week in a row where one of the franchises has made a uh roll doll reference right because on orange county we got the uh the willy wonka uh quote or, or whatever it was that that happened during the paris oh, right. right was it a taylor who said something like upward and onwards willy wonka yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um i think that about does it for me uh dylan want to let everyone know where they can find you uh yeah sure um since uh we're into october i'll I'll, uh mention my horror movie podcast uh which is defunct but has uh two seasons of uh two and a half seasons of uh of back episodes it's called mind over splatter um me and some other people talking about horror movies uh and a lot of like social cultural context for horror movies um if you're looking for like discovering some horror movies that you might want to watch during the Halloween season. Maybe you want to listen to some episodes of that. Uh, and I'll mention again, the devil you don't uh, podcast, a limited four episode podcast. They just wrapped up about American history and cryptozoology. Awesome. Well, that's Bravo outsider for this week. You can find us online at Bravo outsider on various social media platforms. Be sure to like, and subscribe, leave reviews, tell your friends, um, That helps us out a ton. Until next week, keep on wiping.